everyone. Welcome to the Runners of the Bay podcast. This is Mimi. I'm here with Bridget. Hey, Bridget. Hey, how are you? I'm doing well. I had a long run today and I just actually, before we got on to record, I sort of woke up from a nap and was kind of delirious and was like, this is going to be interesting, but I'm feeling good. (laughs) Feeling good now. Honestly, I just finished a run. And when you texted me, I had completely forgotten that we needed to record this. And I was like, ah, okay, here we go. Hop it in. Time. Here we go. That's how we roll here on Runners of the Bay. But right after this, I am going to do the um, Ever Athlete Hip Focus Run Recovery video. Have you tried that one? No, I haven't. I need to. Actually, my hip flexor was like super tight in my run today. So that sounds glorious as long as it doesn't take too much work and maybe if I can like nap in the middle of it I'll do it (laughs) yeah yeah mid-nap is fine yeah like a little bit of savasana halfway through it's fine yes I think Dr. Matt would absolutely approve of that but I find I have found that it's like super helpful especially for like the hip flexor for me is like the first sign that um you know, I think I've been like sitting a lot, like especially this week, just like watching the news and then working. And um, and I think it's a problem when you like exercise, but then there's like those prolonged periods of sit because I think you like open up the muscle and then it just contracts. And so this video has been a total lifesaver for me. Highly recommend. I will check that out tonight in front of the television. Nice. Perfect. <laughs> yeah. The other thing I'm excited about is that you can just keeps coming out with like these great products. Yeah. You know, they have some nut butter and some some new bars that they came out with. And now they have some granola and full disclosure, haven't had an opportunity to try it yet, but I am a huge granola fan. So I'm going to get on that, order myself some granola. We'll give a full report later on, but I've been continuing with my post early morning run uh, cookies and cream you can in my coffee which has like saved me this week so just big shout out to you can for continuing to bring it into 2021 so as always please go check out you can.co slash discount slash rotb for 15 percent off and just keep trying their products because it's just they keep coming up with these awesome things so good so today's episode is with Patty O'Leary and I and as I say every single week I loved this episode but I did it was so fun to talk to him come for the Irish accent which is just like delightful and then stay for the stories of like FKT's building community finding kind of his run start in San Francisco and then reconnecting to his roots doing what sounds like an absolutely epic 5k um, that actually has a that he made a whole documentary about it when he went back to kind of his hometown in Ireland. Um, and when we talk about a little bit of everything, he went out for the the Olympic trials um, at CIM, you know, my, my favorite race, but, you know, has just been ripping it up on the trails and lots of shout outs to the amazing trail, trail community, you know, up in Marin and some of the amazing kind of virtual races that he's helped put on and um, that he's participating in. Yeah, it's so easy to see in this conversation why, he has become such an integral part of the running community in San Francisco and why he has so many friends and why people like Corinne Malcolm is like, I need to mention Patty in every interview I do because he is just delightful and we could have talked to him forever. And I, I know we'll have him back on the show and I hope that one day we can, we can meet up in person because yeah, Bridget, like you said, come for the Irish accent, but just stay for everything else. Um, totally. So, 
We were so uh, grateful and excited to have Patty on the show, and we are so happy and excited for you to hear this episode with him. So enjoy this episode with Patty O'Leary. Patty, welcome to the podcast. We're so excited to talk to you. Oh, it's great. Thanks for having me on uh, on the podcast. I'm excited for the chat and the conversation. Us too. I was uh, I was watching some videos of you in preparation for this interview. So now I have like your voice already in my head. So I feel like we should kick this off by just asking you, what's the crack? What's the crack? Oh, the crack is mighty. <laughs> crack isn't bad at all here. Wait, do you know what the crack means? What What does it mean? I have this, okay, so I have a vague understanding that it is, you, now you can tell me if I have this right. So Irish slang, and it kind of is like, what's up? What's going on? What's happening? But it just seems to be used as kind of like a, a greeting between friends. Is that Basically, right? that's a boo between friends and strangers, because you can yeah. just do okay. that. <laughs> we're all, we're everyone, everyone's friends back home. Um, but crack means banter, kind of fun. Okay. Okay. Yeah. yeah so let's saying, well, let's do some of that. I love it. Fun. Yeah. <laughs> C R A I C is the spelling as well. Nice. Often confused with C R A C K, and people get kind of <laughs> <laughs> they're like, "Wait a minute, what? What? What are you into?" <laughs> so yeah, so let's kick things off by talking about this epic Battle of the Bay challenge that you organized at the end of last year. Um, I saw, you know, my coach uh, put up a, a crazy time on one of the segments, um, but would love to know kind of the backstory. Like, how did you come up with this? How did it kind of come together? And then, you know, what was it like, you know, having it having so many people participate? Yes. Yeah, so the Battle of the Bay was a little challenge that myself, my good friend, Tony Di Pascali set up uh, back I guess in the summer of 2020, we were like, obviously it'd been a couple of months since anyone had done any races, but um, over the past couple of years, both of us had went out and adventured all around different parts of the Bay Area on the trails. So we knew the kind of all across the East Bay, the North Bay, the South Bay pretty well, but we feel everyone was too fixated on just running in Marin. And actually mainly a lot of the friends that we run with from Marin County were, they would only ever run on Mount Tamar in the headlands. And we're like, you don't realize what you have beyond this little space so that initially we we're just like right we'll set up a competition just to challenge the marine people to leave marine and actually explore some of the other amazing terrain that we have around the bay area and then from that it grew into something bigger where we're like oh that's actually we kind of miss competition um so it kind of started off where it was more about like oh who could run the fastest times between the east bay the south bay the north bay and the city and um, to give people an, an idea of actually what it is, the Battle of the Bay is we picked eight routes, two in the North Bay, two in the South Bay, two in the East Bay, and two in the city, all kind of trail, generally trail, maybe a little bit of road. And we challenged people over a couple of months to see if they could run all of the routes and to see who could set the fastest times in the couple of months on those routes. So it started as a competition where you could see which team could hold the most fastest times. But then from that, it kind of progressed into more so that what we're like which individuals could finish all of the routes regardless of how fast or regardless of how slow um and we just wanted people to get out and explore and find new places and ends up we got great take up from that over the four or five months of the competition we had something like 300 different attempts uh, from people across the bay area at the different routes and we'd 16 people finished all eight routes which is cool and several of those uh 16 the first ultra was in the Battle of the Bay. So we're pretty stoked at that. We decided we're going to do a Battle of the Bay 2.0 at the end of this year. And we'll try to keep it going from there because there's a lot more amazing spots to explore in the greater Bay Area. So we kind of want 
to get people out doing that. That's awesome. How did you pick the, the routes? That was my exact question. Yeah. <laughs> How did you pick the route? So we went for each area. We'd have one short and one long. So we had something for like the, the shorter for the people who like the short, fast stuff or the people who were just getting into trail running. And then some longer ones for the people who kind of like suffering a bit longer. Um. We kind of picked a whole range from like the classics, like the Mount Tam Hill Climb is a famous segment across the the uh, the Barry running community, through to kind of some newer trails that are only come on the map the last like year or two, like the Crosstown Trail across San Francisco, down to some ones that are lesser known, except for the people that who live there, like the one that David Roach had the record on Black Mountain. Not many people outside of the peninsula ever ran that and kind of they we want to get people down running in these more obs- more kind of obscure and lesser known places so we kind of yeah. we try to make a mix of well known and not so well known there's a lot of big names on there that have the course records you know Devin Yanko you've got out of towner Jim Walmsley on there were they like hey what are you trying to do here like have someone else take my course record Devin Devin Yanko I think you've had you might have had in the podcast as well she mm-hmm. uh, I, I I actually told her I'm trying purposely designed this competition <laughs> if I get everyone to go take down all your records just we want to see more competition around the bay and we ended up getting a lot of uh, uh, a lot of really good competition and um, we we had Chris Tolburn over in East Bay and this newer lad, Eddie Owens, in the North Bay. And we had Eo Wang for the North Bay. And we had David Roach coming in from Colorado, but kind of his base, or he's like still the South Bay. We had a load of great, great, great competition between the groups. And actually, we were having a team challenge to see which team could hold the most records. And that was, uh, ended up being a tie between the North Bay and San Francisco. And that all came down to the last week. In the final week, we had... Um, the North Bay were ahead by two or three points. And then we had Jared Foreman from San Francisco and took Chris Tolburn's South Bay record. And Emma McCune from the city came and took Eo Wang's North Bay record. And uh, Ben Koss from the city came and took the Crosstown. And this all happened in the last four or five days. So it was very exciting wow. and scrambling to finish the route. But also, I think it's not just about the speed and the fastest routes. People to try finish all eight routes as well. Myself included, a lot of us are scrambling to finish it only in the last couple of days. So I think I only did my Crosstown Trail with like three days to go on the competition. Uh, so yeah, it was fun. That's so cool. I think like, and we've talked to a lot of people about this, but all of these creative, interesting things that probably wouldn't have happened if I'm not trying to say COVID was a good thing. Like, that's not what I'm trying to say. But, you know, out of uh, necessity comes some creativity around what you're doing, Um, especially when, you know, your typical races are canceled, you kind of got to stay local. And so if there is any sort of silver lining, it's creating, you know, new events around this and just cool things that come out of it. Exactly. Like, we're very fortunate here in the Bay Area that we have an amazing list of public parks to to go run around in so if we're going to be locked down anywhere it's a it's a pretty fortunate place for us to be restricted to our our county or the neighboring counties i'm not gonna lie um well speaking of kind of fun innovative things you're right now um throwing down some real hard efforts on another kind of innovative challenge called the chase the throne is it a racing tournament i don't know kind of march madness style um thing i think it's happening in four cities so san francisco is one of four cities seems like a 
a really clever, clever idea. Um, how are you feeling after, after, uh, was it Sunday or Saturday? Uh, I think my last one, the round three was on Saturday. Uh, legs are kind of, they, so to give people an idea of this challenge is organized by this group. I always struggle with the name because I, I run trails, but the name of this is trials, trials of miles. Right. Challenge. Or Charles and Miles is the name of the organizers, and a runner's mind the store here in San Francisco or Cotton co organized it. And they have this event called Chase the Throne, where they started in San Francisco with 24 men and 24 women that they randomized it to pairings, so like the bottom of the bracket in round one. And we had to do four miles over and back on the Golden Gate Bridge. If you ran faster than the person you were paired against, when you submit your time, it was all done virtually, uh, you go through. So it went from 24 to 12 to six. It was six this past weekend. The second one was Chrissy Field, two mile point to point. This weekend was Lake Merced, which is four and a half miles. Now it's down to three men and three women for the final, which is up Twin Peaks. So it's like from Portoa Avenue and one mile to the top of Twin Peaks. So it's actually the hilliest of them. So the trail runners in the group were, were kind of happy that that's the final. Um, yeah, so that's been kind of a real fun competition that like I in 2020 came I don't know of any time that there was going to be a lockdown and not many races. It was good timing for me because I had a pretty rough 2019 with a lot of long races that I haven't done distances like that before. So my body, my mind, everything, my heart was all kind of messed up from just running too much. So 2020 came at an opportune time when I just wasn't feeling running and racing. Uh, so it was a good opportunity for a good reset. But then these competitions, especially this uh Chase the Throne Challenge has kind of given me that little oomph to get back into wanting to train and building into hopefully some events this year, definitely some challenges. Did you know going into 2020 that you were kind of feeling that like sense of burnout and like, oh, I need to kind of reset this? Or is that something that you kind of realized as 2020 unfolded mm -hmm. that it was a blessing in disguise? Um, earlier in the year, I had actually I'd planned to so my main stuff is ultra marathons. So I'd done a couple of hundred Ks and hundred milers in 2019, 2020, I was actually planning to take a year where I was going to do focus on much shorter races from the Dipsy, which is like a 12 K up to where OCC, which is a 55 K in France or world championships was going to be a 42 K. That was, I was going to pick, the shorter races, which is ridiculous when I say 42K is a short race. <laughs> I hang out Just weird, a marathon. I hang out with some weird people. <laughs> um, so I planned to do shorter stuff. But then, yeah, I think uh, early on in the, new, in the year, I knew like, the, oh, geez, my legs are kind of rough and messed up here. So um, as races started to be canceled, I was like, oh, okay, okay, okay. Um, so I was personally, I was very fortunate in, in terms of timing. The previous year... I had uh, I traveled a lot to race. I was very lucky. I got to race in five different continents. Um, and I took the last three months off of work and traveled and raced uh, through South America and South Africa from October to December. And then went back to Ireland for Christmas. So it timed, it, I was very fortunate. It timed very well that my little like whistle stop tour around the world happened a month before, a month or two before this all went down. I was extremely fortunate. Wow. Yeah. So you're back to the the chase the throne. So you're you're going into the final four, right? So sorry, when is, is that this weekend or? Yeah, we're the the men. We've decided we're going to race against each other in person. Um, oh, so it's going to be so it's a mild race. We're going to do like Saturday afternoon sometime. I think uh, chase the tri trials of race trials of miles are going to try to put it on Instagram live, so okay. uh, we'll be able to follow it, which is cool. 
Um, but it's just three of us, so, and it's a wide road, so we're going to be able to do it, uh, be, be COVID cautious for it. And uh, we're going to do it in person, and then we'll probably have some friends who are going to watch from different parts that are around us, and then doing the late afternoon so then people can enjoy the sunset. Yeah, how are you prepping for that? Are you, like, talking smack with your competitors and, like trying to get inside their head or what what goes into that <laughs> uh I, like i'm very good friend they're both from west valley track club and i'm uh, very good friends with a lot of west valley lads but i've always been on the periphery they've tried to get me the race with them but i'm like no, i'm a trail runner san francisco running company that's my team but like for years i've been trash talking and hounding them they've been giving great banter over and back so that's just continued with these two as well uh, so i've been draw i've been seeing their they've been doing like hill sprints and i drop a comment onto strava like just an eyes emoji and whatnot so <laughs> i love that yeah. so uh we had corinne on a few weeks ago and uh she mentioned your name quite a few times especially about um her her tahoe rim fkt um where you were i think a pacer and maybe help with as a support crew so like and obviously you're an ultra runner so i'm curious like what makes you a good pacer like how do you see that role um when you're supporting someone like corinne on such a big effort i presume corinne brought up the couple of moments where like i got lost and uh <laughs> so i don't know did she say i was a good pacer Is she yeah no she's yes she definitely said she did say she was like morally ethically i don't know legally obligated to mention you in every podcast that she did so I feel like there's a story there. Yeah, I think just being a, one, a big thing about uh, about ultra running and being able to pay like pace people in ultra running. You're out there for a long time, so if you can just keep someone entertained, I think it's a huge part of it. Especially Corinne's thing; she was out there for 43 hours, which is absolutely like that blows my mind. Um, and she was just moving so well for 43 hours as well. Um, so us who paced her would paced her for like four or two four hour sessions or something like that paced her for eight hours on day one and um yeah it was just we were just keeping talking talking about everything from science to random jokes and whatnot it was uh, just being able to keep someone occupied and then also making sure that they're continuing to fuel and just keeping an eye on their fueling and also when you're out there for that long yourself keep an eye on your own fueling as well because you don't want to blow up if you're uh, only pacing someone for like five percent of their run you don't want to be the person who uh, blows up before the person you're pacing <laughs> which is funny with corinne's run whenever you see any videos from the transitions she always came into the changeovers looking much better than the person that just paced her she's amazing <laughs> which just goes to show like the shape she was in for that and like you know, her ability which is mad. I feel like pacing would be so much pressure. I mean, just because of what you just said, not only do you have to like keep them entertained, occupied, going in the right direction mm -hmm. on a certain pace, but also then you're like, oh, and I have to take care of myself, mm -hmm. right? Like make sure I'm eating all of the things. It's um, it's a lot of responsibility. Yeah, so the two things about, uh, the, well, the, the funny thing about when I paced Corinne is that I am about halfway into it. Um, so I was carrying all of her food and all of her extra clothing and I was doing it from like 4 p.m. to like midnight so or 3 p.m. to midnight so as the sun was setting um, as the sun was about to set we were at this location where I was able to run two or three hundred meters off the trail to go down and refill her water and she was like she'll keep going so then I went down filled the water I was about five minutes came back up and went after her and I ran for like a mile I'm like where is she 
I can't I haven't found her yet I've been wow well, I'm, I'm after chasing her for like a mile and I haven't seen her yet and I'm shouting I'm in these trees up in the middle of the east side of Tahoe up in the hills and I'm shouting and I hear my name, my voice echoing but I don't hear anything from her I'm like oh god oh god oh god I've lost her I've lost her um she has no clothes no extra layers she has no food has only her basic water that was almost out um and I have like I have the phone I have the secure the safety GPS I have everything and oh fuck I'm after ruining derailing her whole uh, sorry I just cursed her it's fine keep that out um I've uh I've de- completely derailed her effort so then I sprint back that mile I'm like oh god I can't see her she must be ahead and then I turn and I sprint back so like, it's about 30 minutes of me going over and back and about two or three extra miles and I'm like going up and it's gone pitch dark now and I thought I had her headlamp as well and I'm like oh god I'm absolutely after ruining it. So I called Devin Nianko, who was the crew chief. I'm like, Devin, you guys need to start coming in. I'm after losing Corinne. I'm sorry, I've ruined it. I've messed up. And then I get over one hill, get over the next hill. And then I just see a flash in the distance. And I'm shouting. And then she shouts back. And I sprint on. I catch up with her. And she's like, Grand, she had an extra headlamp. And she like was like more worried about me that like a bear had got me or that. I was, <laughs> oh, no. Something like that. Um, so she had just kept moving and she was just moving much faster than I'd expected. Oh, wow. Just one, one mistake. Yeah. So, yeah, I was very personally conflicted for that 30 minutes about, oh, God, why? Oh, I can only imagine. Yeah. I think I'd be the worst pacer, but also just the worst at attempting any sort of FKT or trail adventure because I get lost on routes that I run every day. <laughs> this morning, I, I ran somewhere I run almost every day, went to a slightly different trail that I've run before and couldn't find my way back. I literally just needed to turn around and go back the same way. So I'm a disaster at that. <laughs> I enjoy that part of a trail and ultra running where you actually have to kind of manage and find your way around courses that are not marked or much less marked or not marked at all. I think it's a it's a fun challenge. It kind of and it kind of takes us back to totally. centuries ago or decades ago where we were like just running around for the city for like when you're just moving in the hills and mountains, you never had race courses and things like that. Yeah. You just fall, like you're going from peak to peak to peak. It's like the origins of our sport is more so. It's kind of more pure in that uh, you just have to make your way. You have to be a skilled like mountain navigator as well. And I kind of really like that and enjoy that. Yeah, yeah, I'm fascinated by that. Like, how do you or how did people originally like find trails and decide to mark those trails? I did rim to rim in October. And so whenever I do something new, I'm like, I'm going to do a Wikipedia internet deep dive of everything. So I was just like Googling the hell out of the Grand Canyon. And I was like reading about how they actually like made the trails in the Grand Canyon. And it's just, it's incredible. A lot of dynamite. Oh, yeah, seriously. Yeah. There's a book I would recommend people read on a called, I don't know if you guys have read it, On Trail. It's by a guy called... Robert uh, Moore is it Robert Moore Robert Moore I think yeah I've read it it's amazing yeah. yeah it's an excellent book and it kind of talks about the origin of the trail all the way back to prehistoric animals like moving from the water onto land for the first time through to the modern high true trails like the Appalachian Trail and things like that so it's a fascinating read I really recommend yeah. it yeah it's cool and he's a beautiful writer so mm-hmm. it's like you, you sort of feel like you're also reading like really high-end literature as you're reading this really cool book yeah Yeah. hearing you talk about you know that that joy of like running where there's very little trail and having to figure it out on your own earlier today I was watching the the documentary of your FKT for Wicklow Round I think so it's a course in your home 
uh, country of Ireland. Is it near where you grew up? Uh, about an hour north of where I grew up. Okay. It is such a beautiful, like, short document. I think it was, like, I don't know, 20 to 30 minutes. Um, but certainly, uh, you know, you talk about, like, that this effort, you have a compass, you have a map, you don't get anything else. It is not a trail that is well marked at all. Um, you must have been running with a GoPro or something because there's lots of, like, just amazing footage. And it was just an epically windy day. Um, so for me, it was like, I just wanted to like book a flight to Ireland and go explore all those mountains. It just was beautiful. But the thing that I really loved about that movie was how much you pulled in the community. You interviewed like the people who had run that, that segment before. Um, so the people who had first run it, the people who currently held the record, then, you know, it's about your whole journey to getting the FKT. And then eight days later, someone gets the FKT, but you were there to support them. And then there's this whole interview with kind of the up and coming runners of Ireland. It was just beautiful. Honestly, I was like, kind of weeping, like, oh, I just love this. This is all the best things about running. Yeah, that was the, uh, that was the, our, our kind of plan all along. Like I didn't run when I lived in Ireland. Yeah. Uh, I ran as a kid, ran cross country as a kid with my dad. Um, but I was, doing all team sports is what I really cared about um, and so only when I started to move to the US just before I'd left Ireland I had heard about this Irish mountain running community and I went and did one or two like 5k races and I'm like this is fun and then I moved to the US <laughs> uh, but then I fell into running through the November Project fitness community here in San Francisco and then when I went back to Ireland I was like now training to do 30Ks and 50Ks and things like that. I mean, now, now whenever I go back to Ireland, and like from 2015 on, whenever I went back to Ireland, I'm like, oh my God, I've got these hills to run in. And I remember there was, I think there's a really strong community there. So then whenever I was going back to Ireland, I'm like trying to learn as much as I can about this really healthy mountain running community back home. And um, so with my good friend from November Project, Ryan and Dylan, they both um, have a movie production company called Doosterphone. Ryan had been at a wedding in west cork and the southwest coast of ireland uh, in 2016 and he came back from that he'd done a couple of adventures in the hills and he's like paddy we need to do a project in uh in ireland so from that we kind of decided right let's go back and do a project on the irish mountain running community and let's do something stupid in terms of running while we're doing it so i went to tackle this thing called the wicklow round so the wicklow mountains are a mountain range south of dublin and They've picked a route that covered 26 peaks that you have to tag all 26 peaks in a row and finish it in less than a day. Uh, you can take whatever route you want in between it, but you're not allowed to use GPS. You have to use a compass and a map. Um, so people started doing that about 15 years ago. And like, I think about 15 people have finished it under 24 hours. The record was like nine, it was like 18 hours, uh, which is set like in 2009. And then myself, Ryan and Dylan were back there in 2018 doing a, a recce trip to like start looking at the route and I was going to come back the following year to do it. And then an American fella happened to come over that same, uh, that same summer and made a film on the Wicklow round. Joe McConaughey is his name. Uh, he runs for Columbia. He's from, uh, he's from the Pacific, Nor the Pacific Northwest. He went back and he beat the record by like an hour. And we're like, oh. He beat a record and we also got scooped in terms of making a film. We made, made a really fun film about it. Um, but the weather was absolutely perfect for when he did it. So like from the top of every mountain, he could see every range. So like mm. he didn't have to take out his compass and map, even though he was a very skilled compass and mapper. So then we were coming back to make our film. And you had mentioned before about the it was pretty windy. And today as I was cycling home from work, whenever there's wind now, I just get like a cold sweat and start thinking about my experience. <laughs> I think wind after that day, wind has become my least 
my most disliked uh, weather system. Um, but I had a really rough day of like 50 mile an hour winds up on top of the hills, like sub-zero wind or sub-zero Celsius wind chill. Uh, and just completely gray fog like a typical san francisco day uh so i had to come some map around where i couldn't see anything i couldn't hear anything and uh, it was absolutely freezing so like taking out my compass and map was freezing taking out food and whatnot so we had a great experience but you have to go watch the film to uh, learn more about it and to learn what happened eight days later and a little yeah, bit it's a great surprises in that film and it's called yeah. coming home and another name for what we have is like chock de Walia, which is the irish translation of coming home because it was like a homecoming for me to go back and learn about my community. So you mentioned running like cross country with your dad very early on, but that you didn't, I guess, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but you, maybe you didn't think about yourself as a runner until moving to the US. So like what inspired you to get back into it? And then like more specifically ultra running trails, mm-hmm. everything that you've, you've done. Yeah. So when I grew up, my dad, he'd, he, he'd love cross country running. He set up a local club in our area in Wexford and Southeast of Ireland. And uh, he was really being into kind of organizing community sports. So I kind of got a lot of that from him. Um, but I grew up playing Gaelic football and hurling and in college I played lacrosse and, um, but in all of these games, I was, I was a midfielder. So I was running up and down, up and down, up and down. So I was putting on uh, many kilometers and miles in these games, but I never really saw myself as a runner, as he said. When I moved over here, I didn't really know anyone in the city. So I heard about this weird running group called the November Project and went out and joined them. And that was in 2013. And with that group, they they run. They went out and run hills in San Francisco. So I started running up and down these hills with, with, with this running group, making a lot of great friends with it, exploring an amazing city like San Francisco. And I found that, wow, running around is a great way to explore and to see new places. And I felt in the first couple of months in San Francisco, I got to know the whole place, like the back of my hand. It was amazing. And it was all on my own two feet. Um, so it was kind of just, I think I just happened to, like when I moved to this city, the city is just a, such a great, it's such a beautiful city, every corner of it. And I just, by chance, I found this group that were all stoked about exploring different corners of the city and running hill repeats on different hills. Um, and I just, I don't know, I just, the, the, I got, I don't know, the bug bit me then. What, what's the saying? The bug bit you? No. I get bit yeah, by the bug. Yeah, you got the bug. Yeah, I got bit by the bug. The hill running bug, yeah. The hill running. I don't know, just got to love hill running from that. And then through that, when I started like running a little bit, I was still playing lacrosse then, so I didn't want to run too long in case I'd lose my speed for lacrosse. But then I got into, um, in late 2014, early 2015, I'd kind of, I used to play in the Irish lacrosse team and I played in the world championships in 2014 in Denver. And I was kind of thinking, oh, I think I'm kind of might be done with this, with, with the elite level of the sport. So I retired from that and I was like, fuck, let's get into running. And I started going, doing like local 30k trail races and things like that. And it was like, oh wait, I'm doing quite well in these. And this is really fun. So I kind of just went all in on the running thing. And it was kind of true. I started running the San Francisco running company, their Saturday morning trail runs and just had so much fun running with a group um, and running in Marin and exploring these new places. So it just, yeah, I was kind of, I was very fortunate, very serendipitous timing with like finding November project also, that was as SF4C was starting to come to its own as kind of a running community and um, moving to, for me, just moving to San Francisco um, as when I was looking for something new. When did it start to feel like, oh, this is something that like I want to do professionally that I want to like devote? Throughout 2015, I continued to like play club lacrosse here in San Francisco. I was coaching lacrosse. I was leading the November Project group. I was playing um, 
touch rugby, co-ed touch rugby down on Chrissy Field as a, as a fun sport and then trying to run to all of that. And like I'm trying to work in the midst of all that as well. Come the end of that year, I was just trying to do so many different things. I was like, no, I'm going to try go after this running thing because I'd met in this, with S4C, I'd met a lot of the like really talented trail runners like Yu Wang and Alex Varner and uh, Jorge Maravilla and they were traveling all over to do these amazing races in the mountains and I went to run with some of them in the Sierra Nevada and I was like wow this can bring you some amazing places and I was like all right I want to try to get better at this so I can kind of run further and run faster and get an opportunity to travel to to do some of these running events um so that was kind of like late 2015 that's when I was like yeah I'm gonna gonna get into this because I'd done it in that year I'd done a, a number of like um pretty competitive uh like national level um 50ks and whatnot and the north face 50 miler here and just loved the competition and racing hard and out in beautiful places as well yeah so what was your first trail race and like were you thinking like what the hell did I get myself into or just like enjoying it and having fun the entire time I remember I'm a terrible trail runner whatever it's okay I've come to terms with it but every and every time I do one I'm like why am I doing this this is horrible and then it, it's amazing but there's always like this is horrible for a long time um so what were you thinking and especially the first one so what were you thinking sort of during your first one yeah. so we when I was back in when I was like the first kind of t- technical trail race I ever did was um just before I left Ireland a uh, buddy of mine had him and his brother had started to go out to do these like mountain 5k mountain races and this was January 2013 and he was here Paddy come on let's go let's go let's go to this race on a Sunday morning we went out and I only had like road shoes or something like that or like I don't know shoes with no grip and this is Ireland January like the 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 grassy bog hills and it's just absolutely soaked and drenched and no grip and I'm doing this race and I'm slipping all over the place and falling all over the place fell a couple of times and just had so much fun and that was kind of my first like uh, experience into kind of this mountain running thing but then over here I think my first like really delve into competitive racing was um the November project, we used to go to all the North Face endurance challenges and just take over the marathon relay. We'd enter loads of teams into that. So like my first really fun competitive race was um, 2014. That summer we had a big November project summit, we call it, is when all the cities come and gather at one race. We did it out in, uh, in Madison, Wisconsin, and we're in the relay. And myself and the guy who was leading the Vimper Project with me at the time, Daniel Clayton, and uh, we teamed up the relays where I do a 10K, he'd do a 10K, I'd do a 10K, he'd do a 10K. And like we, we discussed earlier that I'm meant to be good at giving, like, following directions and things like that. I was winning this race like for the first four kilometers and then I took the wrong turn, followed the wrong set of flags and ended up running like um, a 15K instead of a 10K. So I went from first to back to like, like 120th. And oh, then no. we had three more legs, but then we were just like, I get back and I'm like, Dan, I'm so sorry. And he's like, dude, it's all right. We got three more rounds. So then he went, he came back and he was in like 50th. And I went, and I came back and was in 10th. And he went, and he came back and we ended up getting up to like fourth. But oh my the amazing aspect of it, I just absolutely loved. And it kind of, that yeah. really stirred my competitive fire. I was really fun. I just love chasing. I love that. You've talked about how um, sometimes you use cross country, speaking of the chase, as like a, a good, um, way to train actually for some of the big time ultras that you've done and just how much like the local scene has inspired you 
Um, I mean, and it is epic. Like I love, I coach cross country and for a local high school. And I mean, I get so excited as a runner watching that chase. There's just something so primal about the cross country scene. It's just like pure suffering for 20 to like 15 to 20 to 30 minutes. Absolutely brilliant. And especially as we said, like, I think it's great training for ultra runners because like ultra runners will often go out in the train and they won't do speed work and they'll just go do big long slogs in the hills, which are great training but you need something different so you can actually just i think it helps you to kind of suffer through pain which we experience a lot uh in in ultra running but it's also a great way to build like aerobic fitness and also the power that i really gain a lot from it is to build a competitive fire and um, because like in cross country whether you're going to be fighting for first place or fighting for 50th place every place counts so like that last 20 or 30 meters, you're sprinting to get by the guy that's in 49 to the girl that's in 38 because you want to get that extra point for your team. I just love that. I love that. Mm-hmm. Especially at the PA circuit. So the USATF, we have the Pacific Association circuit of races, which goes on through the autumn. And like we've like, I guess, eight to 10 uh, PA circuit clubs. There's like the master's men and there's the master's women and there's the open men and the open women. And you have people up to like, well into their 70s maybe even 80 who are doing this and they've been doing it every year for 50 years I love that and I want to be doing that in 50 years time yeah I always wanted to run cross country I didn't I've never I've never run a cross country race I think it'd be so fun and was sort of thinking about doing it this year and then yeah (laughs) 2021 I'm hopeful for a season 2021 yeah Uh, we're actually um for preparing for that season we're uh so san francisco running company we had kind of a cross-country team like three years ago but it, it just we weren't putting a huge amount of effort into organizing it but this year we're resurrecting the team so we're going to be the new team on the block and we're going to have a men's and women's team so san francisco running company so if anyone's looking for a team with fun trail runners san francisco running company you've got a store or we've got a, a a team out of the store and uh watch out west valley and aggies and palace there's a new kid on the block now we're excited to have a lot of Get your shit talking. There you go, Patty. <laughs> we're going to be number one shit talkers. Love it. One race actually that I'd love to mention is that uh, that I think I wish more people in the Bay Area knew about. Like one of the most iconic races in the U.S. is here in the San Francisco Bay Area. The Dipsy has been going on for. It's the oldest trail race in the States. It's been the second oldest race in the States after Boston Marathon. It's been going on for like 100, this would have been the 110th year of it. So it's an age hand, an age and gender handicapped race that runs along the Dipsy Trail from Mill Valley to Stinson Beach. So 12 kilometers, seven and a half miles. And they start the 80 year old and above men and the 60 year old and above women and the eight year old and below kids first. And then every minute they let off a new batch all the way down to like 25 minutes later, they let off the 20, 30 year old men. Um, so then you're chasing, like when you start at the back, you start at the back, if you're like a young adult male, you start behind 1500 runners and you have to pass out all of them on a single track, oh just covered in smoke and the shortcuts you can take, cause it's the fastest point from, from start to finish. So some people take faster routes or, or slower, more open routes. It's just absolute chaos of every age, every gender. Um, it's absolutely brilliant. It's one of the, I recommend people go and watch it. It's like usually the first weekend of every June, of June every year. And it's an extremely tough race to get into as well. You have to either get in, you have to get in off a lottery. Um, there's a couple of other kind of ways to get into it as well that I, that I'm sure Google would, would tell people. Um, but it's, uh, it's one of the most memorable. I did it for the first time last year, finally got into it. And 
I started at the back of the 1500 people. And if you finish in the top 750, you automatically get in the following year. And I raced and, and got into the top 500, came 499th. And I was, wow. yeah, that's awesome. If I made it back. I'll be, I'll be definitely back in it now this next year. And it's a, an exciting race. So I'm excited to do. Yeah. I remember reading a New York times article about it and being like, wow, this is here. Like I had no idea. And it's the second oldest race, like next to the Boston marathon. And you just don't, you don't hear about it. That's crazy. Like you hear about Western States and like, you know, North Face 50 and like all of these other ones. But like here we have one of the oldest and most iconic races. It's, it's great. I did a trail race that started at Stinson Beach. This was like, it will have been like three years ago. And it was just a half marathon. And but you, you run on the Dipsy. But on the first way on the descent on the way down, I fell like twice and cracked some ribs and also um, bumped my head on a tree. And they were like, we're taking you out. You're done. So I never got to go back up on the Dipsy. So I'll have to make my way up there sometime. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. Trail racing. What's the worst I've had? I, I separated a shoulder in Sutra Forest running to, on a commute run to work, uh, back, uh, in 2017. So just running through Sutra Forest, slipped on a rock, fell on a rock oh. and I land into work. And I, I work in UCSF uh, in re- medical research and, uh, in the lab at the time, there was a, <laughs> this is a funny story. There was a, I worked with a, an oncology surgeon and a GI oncologist. So the certain, they were like, all right, your, your shoulders hurt. Why there's blood. Okay. Pull the shirt off. So I'm standing in the middle of the lab without a shirt. And they're like inspecting my elbow, poking it and moving around. And the surgeon was like, or they both figured out it was a separated shoulder. And the surgeon was like, oh, that's a grade three. That's extreme. You're probably going to have to get surgery. And the, <laughs> the oncologist is like, it's grand. It barely a sprain. It'd be fine. So it's funny. The whole range ended up, it was right in the middle. It was like a grade two. Um, so yeah, that was, that was, that was funny. The, yeah, one thing about, I think, because like you said, you did the, the, you were doing that half marathon and whatnot, mm-hmm. and people don't really know about the dipsy. People, when they hear trail runners, they presume it's running as long as you can. Like that's definitely part of the sport, but I think it's often overlooked is that we have some really short versions of trail racing that are just as fun and just as competitive and just as difficult. Um, from like when you go to some, they call the sky running circuits. So sky running is, um, trail races that are on generally more technical terrain just usually a lot more vertical climbing up and down and they're often up at elevation like up above like in tahoe or in the alps or wherever and the sky races generally they'll have the sky ultra which could be a 50k they'll have the sky race which are in 25k and then they have the the vertical kilometer so it's like a 5k but there's like 3,000 feet of climbing and that's one of my favorite events and often they let it off at like time trial format um, but like there's so much on offer in the whole sport of trail and mountain running that I think people often overlook in that, especially for like people who are coming from a track background, you don't have to go in and jump into an ultra. Like there's some short, fast races that are really fun and that you can like get to travel the world doing these as well, or travel all over and find iconic races to go do. Um, so yeah, I think, it, I think I want people to realize there's more to the sport. And that's one thing we tried to do with Battle of the Bay. Our shortest route was a mile and a half or longest was 35 miles. We wanted people to experience all of the array, kind of the different parts of the sport. Yeah, totally. You don't, I mean, the longest trail race I've ever done is a half marathon. Like, and I think that like, there's so many ways to get out there and experience nature and push yourself and it doesn't have to be a hundred K, right? Like to your point, um, Mm -hmm. there's so many other options. 
also what you just said there are a lot of hiking most of our sport is hiking as well so yeah i think one like often people will say to me they're like they're like oh i went and did like uh i did a run but i hiked like most of it and i'm like that's still running you're still forward momentum like I did UTMB, this 100 miler in the Alps, and like 50% of that race I was walking because often you can walk up a hill quicker and you can run it. It's still, we're still out adventuring, doing the same sport. And I think I try to avoid people differentiating between, or like separating like hiking and backpacking or like in long, like true hiking and whatnot with running. It's like they're yeah. still, they still help each other out. And they're, totally. they're both part of the same sport of getting out there and shredding in the mountains. I think yeah. that's such a good point. I always love the, at one of like the early A stations at UTMB, it was like Killian Jornet and Walmsley came in like close to each other and someone was there. I run far or something was there and they were like, Walmsley, how are you feeling? He's like, we're running too slow. And, and it was one of his first like big, long in the Alps mer- uh, ultras. And uh, Killian, who's done this all the time, was like, we're running way too fast. Yeah. <laughs> and, and sure enough, like, <laughs> you know, I think Jornet ended up winning that year um but it was like he's got we got to walk more like we have to be hiking more <laughs> like you can't you can't just go out and like hammer this like an otq marathon yeah 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 there's, there's time for fast stuff and there's time to be reserved and, and smart speaking of a fast stuff you've dabbled in some fast stuff we were talking about the uh trials of the miles earlier um and you're gonna kill it this weekend and just like back up all the shit talk that you've been doing um but you've also run a pretty fast road marathon so how did you go from you know shredding it on the trails to shredding it on the roads uh well for that one so that was uh, i did cim in 2018 and I went to that, like, I guess, killing on the road by training for a 50-mile trail race. The I was training for the North Face 50-miler, which is, like, last year with the final year of it, but it was, uh, like, the most competitive 50-mile trail race in the world. Um, I was training for that. That was my goal race of the year, and it was on mid-November 2017, I guess. And that's when, I think, the campfire happened. So the race was canceled, like, the week before the race. Um, so I was in peak fitness. I'm like, Oh God, what do I do? Cause I've had a great lead up to that of like good ultra training, but also my, the best cross country racing I've ever done was in the lead up to that. And I'm like, oh, I'm in great shape. What can I do? And CIM was two weeks later. So I was like, I haven't run a road marathon in a year and a half or two years. Jeez, let's just jump into this. And I didn't really know my, I didn't really have a, an, an awareness of what I could run. So I'm like, let's go for 219. That's what everyone keeps talking about. And went out with a plan of going for that. And sure, if I blew up completely, grand. I wasn't training for it anyway. And ended up, I ran like a 220-30, I think, which I was super proud of. Uh, I think I was one of the fastest people who wasn't wearing carbon in my feet that, that year, it seemed. Um, and... Yeah, so I went out and went for it. The legs fell off a little bit in the last like four or five miles, so I fell off the two nineteen pace. But ended up, uh, yeah, running running that off of cross country or off of uh, ultra training. So I was super proud of that. That actually had me like so I ran that two twenty. That was like the tenth fastest Irish marathon time I think that year. Um, I said, wow, I wasn't even focused training on road on on like preparing for a marathon because I could be really diligent and prepare and do the long high mileage fast weeks that I've never tried before and try actually get a faster road marathon. So that was kind of my goal for 2019. And then 
like a month later in January 2019, the IOC released a new criteria for qualifying. And you had to run like a 213 or a 211 or something like that. I'm like, wow. So I was thought I had like running a, like a, fast, a few minutes faster would have been feasible if I put all of my life into road running. And then when I got to that, I'm like, wow, but actually, wait, why am I doing this? I, like, I would love to try qualify for the, for the Olympics. Yeah, that would be unbelievable. But also I run because I love getting out in the mountains and that's my calling. And I get to run. I've ran for Ireland like twice since then. And uh, I'm like, I can still represent my country at doing the sport that I really enjoy and that like, I, I, I really enjoy being out there doing. So I decided to not pursue the road marathon and just keep jumping into road races unprepared because that's still really fun. <laughs> yeah, why not? Yeah, yeah I, was, I was looking up the time before, earlier today. Um, and I think the the men's time is 2.11.30, which is, you know, if you had gotten yourself a pair of uh, carbon fiber plated shoes, like maybe you get like a couple minutes, but yeah. 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 <laughs> it would have, uh, I think it would have involved like completely changing just my lifestyle and my approach to running yeah. to get to that. And like I respect the people who do it, but it wasn't my calling, I feel. So I decided I'm really glad that I, I made the decision to not pursue that in 2019. Instead, I followed the Ultra Trail World Tour and I went to 100K in Hong Kong in January. I went and did the Wickler Round and made a film in April. Did UTMB, my first 100 miler in September, and then went and traveled uh, South America and South Africa to do the world championships in South America and then um, Ultra Trail Cape Town in December so in those 11 months that I thought I was going to be training for a road marathon I went and did a load of 100Ks and the 100 miler in some of the most beautiful places in the world and met amazing people and got into amazing communities so I was pretty stoked by that I think that was the better decision yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I think that was a a good decision so you you sort of alluded to it earlier that you um, you work at UCSF mm -hmm. you are a cancer biologist mm -hmm. um in the midst of all of all of this running like what so and you you talk to Corinne about science we talked to Corinne about science she, we know she's a science uh geek and and we like to talk about science too I work in healthcare um so what drew you to cancer biology and how does that fit into the bigger picture of your running mm -hmm. um well I was in can so I did a undergraduate in pharmacology back in a in University College Dublin 20 August 2005 2009 originally I wanted to be a vet actually I grew up in a dairy farm and I wanted to be a vet and I just missed out on vet school and went into science thinking that I would switch into vet school after a year or two but then grew to love just science and understand the mechanism of human physiology and also of like cell physiology and uh, how cells work and like the molecular biology of the cell and then I started in my final year of undergraduate I got doing a, a project uh, with a cancer biology group in UCD, uh, working on melanoma. And um, I just had a fascinating mentor that just really drew me into uh, into understanding the, the mechanism of how cancer grows and how we can treat it, um, but also the impact of the work we can do. So I did my PhD in Dublin with him and then got the opportunity to move to San Francisco to work at the UCSF Helen Diller Cancer Center. And I've been working there for the last six or seven years, kind of working and started working in melanoma and lung cancer. Now I've switched into, um, into breast, ovarian and gastric cancer. But basically what we're trying to do is we're trying to understand why 
like we have some really good therapies that work in a, a lot of the, in a lot of different types of tumors but then sometimes the therapies stop working and the cells become resistant and we're trying to figure out what the cells are doing to become resistant and how we can stop that um so yeah it's just a how do you ask how does it tie into running i'm not sure like one thing <laughs> that i found there's a lot of parallels i think between academics and people who do grad school and phds with ultra marathoners in that we do the same thing for really long periods of time and at the time it seems really mundane and you don't realize why on earth are you doing this till you get to the end and you complete it and you're like oh i've got this paper oh i did this race oh i got this phd i now i recognize why i did all of that so i think there's a lot of good parallels there that you don't realize at the micro level, you don't realize what you're like, you don't realize the impact of what you're doing till you get to the end. You're like, Oh, look at the big picture. That was cool. I never thought of it like that, but I can totally see how getting a PhD and working in research and in the lab is a lot like ultra running. Yeah. Takes a really long time. Yeah. Sometimes you're running uphill forever. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, you know, training for ultra races, you make a lot of mistakes, whether it be from yeah. nutrition through to racing too hard, through to uh, taking wrong turns. But a lot of these things you learn from it. And that's like the kind of the scientific process, right? That you do an experiment and you're like, oh, this was slightly off. We do that. And you kind of narrow things down until you have your answer. Uh, so, yeah, there's a lot of very close parallels there. Do you find that you embrace kind of that? that methodic like philosophy in your training like how strength training, nutrition. No, you're shaking your head you're like not at all not at all i think i do that from nine to six or from my nine, nine with nine to six and then beyond that i just like i definitely like i follow data a little bit i work my coach matt lay we were not we, like we do a very structured uh training regime but then when it comes to to i don't know i preferred uh, the first and foremost running for me i want to enjoy it and I don't want to have to think too much about it. I just want to enjoy the experience and um, just appreciate where I am and how lucky I am to being out running and being like healthy enough to do it, having the opportunity to do it, uh, having the community that I'm there with. That's the most important thing to me. So yeah, I'm not, I'm not maybe I could be better if I did pay more attention to it, but in terms of my mind and my heart, um, they're in a good place when it comes to it. And I think that's the most important thing for me. Yeah. How do you, so you just mentioned like nine to six doing, you know, working, how do you fit it in? And I, I realize it's like such a basic question, but asking for a friend who recently has a new job and I used to just have a lot more autonomy in my job and could like run at noon and I don't care if my old employers are listening to this, but now like, you know, I really need to get up early and get it done and be back by eight so that I can work all day. And it, it's, it's a shift. So how, how does someone who runs as much as you do, uh, make that happen? For me, it's finding people who want to get up early to do it with me. That was a big thing. Like, because I kind of went into running from the November project group, whose thing is getting up at very early hours in the morning, to just be together and run. I kind of started with that. And then from that, I was already kind of trained and like being active in the morning. And uh, so I was kind of very fortunate to transition into that. And then for like I've trained for mountain running and if I'm going to be in any city to be a mountain runner, San Francisco is a great one for it. So I just ended up like planning a lot of like run commutes where I'll plan a route around the city where I'll run from my house to Mission Bay and tag all of the hills and doing like lunch runs. I'm on, I don't, don't do too much. We don't have showers in the uh, in uh, UCS area in, in our building. So I've been able to do that a huge amount. Um also, I think for my own training, 
I don't end up running that much throughout the week. I'll do a couple of runs, all right. But for ultra running, a lot of your training ends up being on Saturdays and Sundays. So you end up doing a lot of your training is through adventuring in the mountains. That's what I love about the sport in that, like, I'm like, oh, I'm training for UTMB. What's my Saturday and Sunday? Oh, I'm just going running around Marin for eight hours over a weekend, hiking around Marin. This is like not a bad, not a bad job for training. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I don't know if I helped you and all with that answer, but finding no. people who are enough, finding people who are silly enough who want to do it is a huge, yeah. is a huge part of it and because yeah. uh, def- definitely I feel like throughout the pandemic when we haven't really had the community stuff I'm not getting up as early to do my training like this year I struggled to like stay with training because of the lack of focus because it was the lethargy from 2019 but also like in that I didn't have a group to go do it with like that kind of held me back a lot in terms of my running this past year because like I just feed off of that Mm-hmm. I was telling Devin when she was on that, like, it's always inspiring for me to get up early and run because if I open my Strava early in the morning, she's already run like 14 miles on the trails at like five in the morning. So there's inspiration right there. Yeah. What do you think? What's like your average mileage? Let's say you're not really training for anything right now. Like what does a weekly mileage look like for you? I say this year is probably range from like 30 to 60 miles. This year hasn't been that. That's like maintenance. Like mm. I did in a year where I wasn't feeling like broken and whatnot, or like kind of lethargic. My off, like in previous years when I'm like in my down season where I'm just kind of out adventuring, probably 40, 50 miles, and then in the height of training that will ramp up to like seventy to hundred, I'd say. And the hundreds are like I rarely like I know I see a lot of people are doing them week in week out, and I just don't know how they do them. Um, like with full-time jobs and whatnot like the only times I've got to that is if I had like just a monster Saturday and Sunday where I'm doing like 50 miles in two days or something like that Um, just one thing I've actually found this year I've become this past year since I've stood back from leading November project and since I've started training less I have come much more productive in work so (laughs) I think one of the reasons why I was able to do so well with balance previous years is that I wasn't being nearly productive enough which I hope my boss isn't. Well, he knows. <laughs> um, but one thing I think is one of the most important things is balance and yeah. having multiple things. I'm never going to be someone who's going to fo- like this. When I took that three months away to travel, that was me checking out to see could I do running full time, and I don't think I could. Likewise, I don't want academic like research to be my my whole life. I want a balance from like my sport. And adventuring true to my work and my kind of mental engagement true to my community and my family and friends. Um, I want a healthy balance between all of them because I think it's extremely important. And I was like, that's the example my parents set for me where they had a really he- healthy balance of community and work on the farm and uh, academic engagement. And it's something I learned from them. And it's something I want to, uh, I kind of want to instill in the people around me. Yeah. I think it's so important too to like, set some boundaries with with work and so maybe you're I mean like you know personally for me starting a new job like I'm gonna be more focused on work than maybe I was at my last one because I had been there forever and I want to make a good impression but I'm also like you know okay on my weekends gonna I'm gonna go out and run or if it's six o'clock I'm gonna tune out for a little bit and and do this right um because like you said, there there needs to be some sort of balance. And I also find personally, if I'm too into my work, then every little thing that goes wrong at work is like devastating. And likewise, if I'm too into my running, 
every little niggle, every little time, you know, something doesn't go wrong, doesn't go well, a bad workout, that's devastating. But if I like can focus on both, then neither one is so bad at any Mm -hmm. one time. I feel I've been very fortunate that like from my bosses in Dublin through to the, the boss of it's funny my bosses here work for a Scottish man first now I work for an Englishman so I only work from people <laughs> from that side of the Atlantic yeah. but anyone of the, the groups I've been part of have all really like appreciated and fostered the, the the balance and like I've been really stoked about back in the earlier days when I was pursuing lacrosse and traveling to play lacrosse with the Irish team and the, I was organizing club teams back in Ireland Truth over here with like following my November project and running uh, goals they've been really supportive of that so I've been very fortunate as well to just be working with people who appreciate it and embrace it. Yeah. I can remember when the, we released the film, we just, we'd just we got into a couple of uh, film tours, but we released the film in April once the, we realized this lockdown was happening for a while. We're like, it's a great opportunity for people to see it. People need distractions and whatnot. So we released the film and then my boss got it. Like he, he found the link and he sent it away around on our, like our building wide, uh, like updates and whatnot. He's here like, look what this fellow's been up to. And he sent it. <laughs> it was really fun. Awesome. We premiered the film last September of 1919 in the Roxy with like 250 people came out to the Roxy for it but like I had 20 people from my building uh, came out to, to watch it and they're they were super stoked and some of them been getting out on the trail since then a little bit inspired by it yeah and that's that's super cool like I so before my current job I, I worked at Stanford and um actually we had a fellow Irishman on the show earlier in summer who works in is our head of analytics over there and he's a runner and he did he what is it? it's the eight marathons in eight days on seven continents plus New Zealand and um or maybe I'm saying that wrong sorry sorry Brendan if I'm saying that wrong but you know we talked a lot about like he goes for runs in the middle of the day because it actually helps him be more productive and we had colleagues at work listen to the podcast and it, it brings a whole different like dimension to your colleagues who you're working with and yeah it was it was so nice and it, it us bonding over running like certainly improved our working relationship and mm-hmm. he's remained a good friend. It's it's something to really unite over. Mm-hmm. One thing I found because from my upbringing with my parents, my parents were big into kind of different community events through, through sport and activities for um around back home in Ireland, through to lacrosse. We were the first team in Ireland. To, we started the sport in Ireland. So and the community in Europe was quite tight through to November Project and now Truth of Running community has always been at the heart of what I do and it's been at the heart of my happiness and also been starting to apply that true to my scientific side as well in that we have like for science to succeed science used to be very siloed in that like each lab group worked like as a silo on their own but that's not how it's going to how science is going to move forward and it's collaborations between amongst the university between universities between countries and that's how science moves forward really well like we've got people of all different skill sets working together and that's what i'm trying to like bring that to i'm trying to fuse my my science or sorry fuse my uh community engagement and outreach through sport true to my community engagement and outreach through science. I think there's a lot of uh, ways that the skill sets can uh, translate there. And one thing when we talk about like collaboration in science, this, this year has been an amazing example of how scientific, scientific, science, scientists across the world and researchers across the world from academia to, um, to industry have worked together to produce a vaccine, in, uh, multiple vaccines in 10 months and to understand this disease that we didn't know about 12 months ago. 
uh, it's an amazing example and i just really want people to appreciate like the the significance of this past year and the things we've learned this past year that we can apply to all across the sciences and all across collaboration and community i think there's a lot to appreciate from that in a year that we've so much division across the world that we have one thing scientists have worked together across the world from china to the us to, to ireland so actually have an example we so we had a start i did a little bit of sars cov 2 work at the start of the pandemic as part of the coronavirus research group here in ucsf and one of our one of our collaborators he built this series so in i'm going to get into a little bit of science here there's 29 proteins i think in the virus and he took each of those proteins and he made a thing called a, pl a plasma dna which will produce the protein that you could put into a human cell to study each of those individually and he released a paper in march about that people all over the world were like oh can we use that and we went and we packaged something like five or six or seven hundred or even a thousand different plates that each contained the piece of dna that will produce each of those proteins in the virus and sent them to something like 50 or 60 different countries for free like I remember I was helping them do the packaging and putting the FedEx labels on it. And we sent stuff to Ireland. We sent stuff to Canada. We sent stuff to the West Bank. We sent stuff to Malaysia. We sent stuff all over the place just to try help the world move forward and be like understand this disease better and work together on it. And that was all done for free and open access. And it's cool. There's a lot of power in the community. Yeah, I mean, it it is incredible. And I think it's something that, I mean, you can, you see a lot of, collaboration in in science in medicine but it, it all feels so controlled in a way and like this was just we don't know what's going on and so in order to sort of find a solution whether that's therapeutics whether that's vaccine like if we don't work together we're all gonna fail yeah the power in that is just it's amazing I, I love that it gives me chills to think about it and hopefully it's a model for how we work going forward yeah. I think it will be. I think it will yeah, be. Yeah. UCSF alone, we've started to do like much more, like started to think about ways that we can apply that model to more of our research from like to other diseases, to cancer, to collaborate with other universities, other countries, things like that. Yeah. There's a lot of potential there. That's so exciting. Just to think about like, if we, if we can get this far with COVID in one year, like what can we do with other diseases? It's mm -hmm. awesome. Mm -hmm. So before we wrap up, because I, I could talk about that forever with you, um, but and I know Bridget could do. Um, but, you know, w when you think about running for you, like, what does it look like in the next 20, 30, 40 years? Like, how do you see your running journey unfolding or, or what do you hope it to be? Uh, I see when I go to cross country races and ultra races, I see people who are well into their 70s still doing this and still enjoying it and just feeding off of the just being out there and and the community and also passing it to the next generation. I want to be that person. I want to still be able to do it healthily, be out in the hills and the mountains, enjoying it in 50 years and 40, 50 years time. Yeah, that's what I, I want to, uh, like there's always age group, age group competitions as well. And all, there's always the dipsy. I was going to say, you I want to be crushing the dipsy when I'm in, well into my seventies. Like that. You want that head start. And then you want to see young guys passing you or maybe not probably, passing you. It'd pro I'd probably have to be in my sixties or seventies before I have a chance of winning the thing. That's <laughs> It's a great race for that reason. It's so yeah. fun. So let's end with some rapid fire questions if you're ready. Okay. Favorite place for a long run in the Bay Area? Uh, Mount Diablo. FKT or race? Race. 
What is a meal, food, or drink that you miss most when you're not in Ireland? Um, I've been trying to eat more vegetarian this year, but the full Irish breakfast. Yeah. Oh, uh, so yeah. it's like every type. It's it's just a typical meal that we grow up with. Uh, that we grow up with on farms in in Ireland. It's like every type of pork. Uh, it's, <laughs> it's a really hearty meal, but it's terrible for you. But it's it's home. Uh, if you could go on a long run with anyone, who would it be? Killian Journey. I'd have to. I just want to kind of learn more from that man uh definitely killian i think your favorite flavor of goo hmm. I, i'm all on the ca- probably strawberry banana actually no, no one ever says strawberry banana i like strawberry banana a lot that between that and the salted caramel i think oh i thought you were going to say the campfire s'mores and i was going to be like yeah that one <laughs> they're okay you know actually no i was hiking up i was running i was on a run there on uh on the weekend and i was hiking up and I had a birthday cake and i think that i don't appreciate the quality of the birthday cake one enough i had one on my birthday uh, two months ago and then i had one this weekend i'm like this is a really great flavor that tastes exactly like a confetti cake so you know what? birthday cake yeah it brings the joy back like when you're in a hole and you're like oh yeah okay birthday cake this is fun yeah, now yeah, yeah. <laughs> finish this sentence one of the most horrendous running experiences of um, of my life was the final or the five minutes before reaching the highest point of the wicklow round uh, I think in the film, actually, I just I think I might have quoted in the film that that was the, one of the worst running experiences of my life. For previous five minutes, we, I was just going into this 50 mile an hour headwind, knowing that I'm just going up this side of this boggy mountain, knowing that it still had like 60 or 70 kilometers to go. You did say it in the movie. It was a test. I wanted to see if you were right. <laughs> you passed. You passed the you test. Passed. Um, so you and I are both uh, pale. Of, I'm of Irish descent. So I need your favorite sunscreen. Favorite sunscreen? Yeah, you are sunscreen. You're no researcher. Yeah, I've got like three banana boats just like okay, standing okay. right over there. Um, and the final most important question: burger, burrito, or pizza? Not pizza. Oh, but though there is a great like, um, I'm gonna say burger. Okay. Favorite burger. burger place in the Bay Area? Do you have one? It isn't my favorite, but I just love the place. Uh, Sam's Diner down on Broadway is like it's been there for fifty or sixty years, and it's like it's so de- it's so dirty inside, but I just love it. <laughs> yeah, but probably the burger place that I've like made I've made the most got the most utility out of is the uh, Super Duper in Mill Valley after a long run or after a late a run to finish late way too late in the day, and um, the Super Duper there saved me. So good, nice. Yeah. And actually, maybe. Oh, but then I wanted to say the burrito. There's a burrito place out in uh, inner Richmond, uh, Taqueria de las Mayas, I think, who do an amazing plantain burrito on the one with mole. Is whoa, <sighs> that sounds amazing. Wait, actually, I know this is rapid fire, but so a few years ago, I spent this uh, winter with my buddy Fernando uh, de Semenega State. He lives here. He's a Mexican lad living here. We spent ten days over Christmas. Uh, climbing mountains in San, or in, in Mexico City. There's amazing mountains outside of San Francisco or outside of uh, Mexico City. And when you get off the mountain there, you're driving out this tiny dirt road and you'll find a tent like every five kilometers that'll have just these little old ladies who are like making quesadillas fresh and this mushroom soup that's all made right in front of you. And that's probably my favorite uh, post-race wow. I've ever had. Unbelievable. The street tacos in Mexico are on like yeah. beyond. Like yeah. be, the street food is just so much better. But the correct answer is burrito. So you got there, Patty. Good job. <laughs> <laughs> I was actually going to do a shout out for uh, some of the when whenever we go to UTMB over in Cormier, we always go to the same uh, restaurant every night when we stay in Cormier and uh, La Bote, I think it's called. 
Um, but Daniello is the name of the uh, the owner, and he make he, they make the most amazing uh, calzone that's like this size. Oh, oh my god! Yeah, so. I'm an equal opportunity when it comes to yeah high calorie food. Yeah, awesome. Well, thank you so much. It was such a pleasure chatting with you, Patty. We're so excited for everything to come. We're excited for uh, 2.0 of uh, Battle of the Bay this winter, um, and the, the hopefully the live stream of the the Throne Battle. Yeah. Um, this weekend yeah i expect so, to see you guys participate in the battle of the bay absolutely yeah and the eight routes we already picked for this last year they're not going anywhere right, that's still there let's check them out, get out there and get it's out. funny the routes that you're like oh these are obscure like those are the routes that we know yeah. like, <laughs> and I'm like, i've never been to the other ones yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the other ones were like nah, i don't know what is that a thing <laughs> no, I definitely recommend get out there and try. thanks patty talk to you later well cheers guys Well, we hope you enjoyed this episode with Patty O'Leary. Isn't he just so awesome? We loved we loved talking to him. Can't wait to talk to him again. Make sure to follow him on Instagram at P-O'Leary87. That's the letter P-O-L-E-A-R-Y 87. As always, you can follow us at Runners of the Bay on Twitter, on Instagram. Send us an email at runnersofthebay at gmail.com. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your, your podcasts. Leave a rating and review. We love to hear from you. We are so grateful for this community and just feel so lucky that we get to talk to cool, interesting, amazing people that make up this running community every week. And we're so grateful for you for listening. So thanks again, and we will talk to you soon. Love.